Jack and Mel weigh in. I know, wow. On today's podcast, we recap the UFC 248. We have uh, Curtis Blades on as a special guest where we talk about his fights with Ngani. We talk about his upcoming fight with uh, Volkov and much, much more. So stay tuned for that. On top of that, we obviously break down this week's card coming up. But let's get into it. Hello, 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 and welcome to this week's edition of Jack and Mel Superhead MMA Show. I, as always, am Jack Iron Stoops, joined by my brother, bro- 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 Mel Brown. What's happening, player? What's happening, player? That's not good. Or is it? Is, why is it bad? Well, I guess something should be happening in life. Well, plenty's happening, but like, I feel the need to, to run everything through. Fair enough. Well, um, we're actually joined by uh, Curtis Blades this afternoon. It's exciting. Isn't it? First UFC guest, so yeah, um, just glad to have him on. Uh, should be an amazing experience, and uh, super pleased to actually finally be making progress. We've been busting our metaphorical and literal testicles off with this, so yeah, we've only got four between us. Well, I've got four myself. Jeez, that would suck. It would. It would. I would it. Well, it depends where they're placed. <laughs> Does it? Does it? Though, actually, like, I mean, well, well let's say you've got two in the original. Growing the OG spot. Um, I don't know. You could have one dangling from each ear, <laughs> like, a, like a terrible <laughs> earring, or you could have one on each kneecap. Uh, I think I will go for ear, really. Yeah, because you couldn't kneel down. Oh, you do a lot of kneeling down, do you? Well, like, why don't you any DIY around the house or knee pads? But you could, but that's what I'm saying. You still crush the, the, the knee testicles. Mm. It's like a pressure but, thing. But you could wear trousers to hide them in public. If you've got a testicle hanging from your earlobe. That's true. But I feel like you just literally take a pair of scissors, cut those bad boys off. No, that's part of the deal. Part of the deal, you, <laughs> you can't, can't get rid of them. Real rubbery. Well, UFC 248 uh, left us with, uh, I suppose, plenty to talk about today. Um, so let's just get into it. Um, that is, after all, what you lovely people are here for. So, Not um, testicle talk. I'm well, shocked by I'm this. Shook. I'm absolutely <laughs> shook. So... Uh, we're not going to talk about all the fights, but Rodolfo Vieira looked phenomenal yeah. again. Shocker there. Yeah, first round submission. Yeah, although his eye was yeah that fight would have been things stopped. which looked like giant testicles. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, that was crazy. From one shot, it was an upkick, or yeah. wasn't it? Or something? One shot and just his whole eye just went. I'm not having any of this. Thanks. Seemed to annoy him. He's like, right, we're going to the ground, and you're in trouble. Yeah, and uh, Saparbek Safarov paid the price. Saparbek. We were saying that it's just like, it's just horrible. It's like, please, please get off me. Get off me. Get yeah. off me. Like, there'd be nothing you could do. Well, it must have just been going through your head. This couldn't be going any worse. No. And if anyone... This is the worst case scenario. I know a bunch of people that listen to B- BJJ, do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, or grappling, or, or whatever, but... Like if you haven't experienced that, it's hard to put into words that like level of claustrophobia and like horrible. There's nothing yeah. the powerlessness that comes with it, which is part of the appeal of doing the sport. To be fair, I um, also thought at the time, not fight related, but Sapperbeg is such an awful first name. Sapperbeg. Imagine looking down at your newborn son and going, you know "I what? shall name you Sapperbeg." It's beautiful. It's the. It's that sort of. Is it like the Russian equivalent of Steve? It probably could be. Yeah. It could well be. It's like in Spain, everyone's called Jesus. Well, it's Jesus. Jesus. But everyone. Everyone. And then my mate, uh, 
mate of mine was born in Jordan, and he was saying there's like a tradition to do with names where you get is it I can't remember which way round it is, but you get like your granddads and then your dads or the other way around. So he is Amir Ibrahim uh, Muhammad, I think. I'm gonna go out and eleven says. Probably a lot of variations. Of yeah, no, no, there's three there, names. Yeah, there is. Yeah. yeah, yeah, there is. But like that's like that's you know, how, the, yeah. yeah. Well, suppose like lots of people have like their middle names. Like I've I have two. I have two middle names, but one of them is my dad's name. One of them is my dad's middle name, which is like a family name. Uh, okay. Because I was christened Aaron Henry Jack. Right. Jack was after my granddad Jack, who I only found out last week is actually called Herbert. <laughs> Of course he is. Yeah, because um, my dad was like, oh, find, your, find your grand as Canadian birth certificate. If you want it, it might be a cool thing to have. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. And then I was like, looking at it, I was like, who the fuck's Herbert? And he was like, that was your granda. And I was like, Herbie is he Stokes? not called Jack? And he was like, he was. And I was like, well, apparently he's fucking called Herbert. And then I just thought, where's the mostly on paper boy? Where's Herbert? Want a pop school? Just thought of that guy, like, when a pop school's the face of. Yeah, I'll change your name to Herbert. It's way better. Isn't it? Herbert the Powerfart? You could be Herbie or, Herb. or Big Herb. Big Herb. Herbs and Spices, Dean. Love it. Um, anyway, Mark Madsen, Austin Hubbard. Great fight. Some wrestling. It's a lot that his wrestling is. It was that the like, belly to suplex. belly over the head yeah. suplex. He's like, just oh. fucking. Although I did see he, Mark Madsen came out and said, I could be the best MMA fighter in the world. Yeah, I was discussing this with a few people on Twitter. Mm. Mm. You're 35 what are, what are, years are you, old. 35. 35 now, you're not. You're, and you're. his striking was questionable at best. He got he toughed it out and got through it, but... He was getting beaten in the third round. Yeah, he was. Um, if that fight, if this was a five-round fight, he was in baller. It's hard to say because you're like, well, if he can't get you down, but he's going to get you down. Oh, he's like a cert to get you down. Like a cert. But he couldn't... He didn't get the job done when he got you down, so... True, true. Um, uh, well, I don't know. Yeah, someone someone asked me or asked us, do you think he'd be the ever be like a, a titled contender or challenger? If he's five years younger, yes. Yeah, I think it's the age thing. That's light lightweight, isn't it? Super competitive <sighs> division. Super competitive. It's, it's you'll get someone with good enough anti wrestling that they can survive on the ground, then wear them out, then stuff a few and then you are mega fucked on the feet. Yeah, um I mean <sighs> He has that fuck you um, wrestling, but oh, yeah. it, it's you need more than that because he he was taking damage, um, you know, in the striking exchanges. And, and I don't think he did that much. I mean, he was he was starting to get overwhelmed, especially like the last twenty odd seconds of it. Um, but we'll see. I mean, you can only keep moving up the ladder and until someone stops it I suppose it's still bless me still big a possibility sneeze. big sneeze big sneeze do you remember that like met sneeze tenth of an orgasm I've never heard or of that. whatever it was yeah it was like a it was like a playground thing everyone said it's like do you know I was yeah. like thinking to myself well, if you sneeze like oh, ten no. times in the bounce yeah, you're, just, you're all the way there oh god <laughs> pass, pass me another what happened to him he just sneezed <laughs> everywhere he's having a sneezing fit <laughs> he's just sneezing poor, all over his pants yeah poor bastard there's high pollen count he's jizzing <laughs> everywhere uh, no our, our playground rumor with sneezing was the like trying to hold someone's eyes open while they sneeze so oh they, you pop your eyes so out so pop out yeah they're probably I mean I can see why it's people like, like believe how that sadistic. Some, well, they that some kids like holding this other guy's eyes open <laughs> Sneeze, sneeze, sneeze. <laughs> I want to see if it's real, man. Um, but you do, like, you do, with, with that, like, you sneeze, it, is it 
a hundred and something miles yeah. an hour or something ridiculous. It's like, isn't that crazy? We literally have the ability to like force air out at over a hundred miles an hour. Which, like, yeah. Which, imagine we could harness that into blue darts. Oh, which reminds me actually, the other night whenever we were watching UFC, we played a bit of a prank on um, my lady, Mrs. Mel, where I'd, my friend of mine has a metal uh, <laughs> BB gun that looks... Oh, it looks legit. Quite convincing as a weapon. And I was like, look, I was just running at my friend's house and he's asked us for a favour. She was like, what? And I was like, and I, we, well, I we sort of the, winked at you. We the unspoken thing. I was like, oh, I know we where knew, this is we going. Knew, we knew, we yeah. knew. And I was like, he needs us to hold on to this in the house. And she was like, no. I was like, oh shit, is he in trouble? And I was like, yeah, he's caught himself in a bit of bother. And she, <laughs> she was like, no, absolutely not. Get out, get that out of here. And I was like, but we have to help Mike Mel. He's been a really good friend to us. Like, <laughs> she was like freaking out. She was like, no. And then she was like, you're joking, aren't you? And I was like, yeah, but after a couple of minutes of keeping me going, it was very, very funny. Anyway, Sean O'Malley, um, that makes me sound like a dick now, doesn't it? Be like, okay. So I just convinced my missus I just had yeah. a gun in the house. Sean O'Malley and Jose Alberto Quinones. Uh, Sean O'Malley looked good. That's about, about all I have to say. I think he looked great considering the time out. Uh, his coach called it. First round knockout. He did, but He's, Sean... Did you see his coach said he was over £150 in the cage on Saturday night? Whereas yeah. before... He never really got like out of the one thirties. It's a big jump, but it then is. what's the pro game though? Well, not even that. I suppose. Age. He's, yeah, he's what twenty five six now. You just physically are really getting into your own then. You see, he said, and I quote, "I think I'm the best MMA striker out there." You can think that. Yeah, absolutely. You're entitled to that belief. Anyhow, although, yeah, <clears throat> I do like. I do like. Be interesting to see. How he develops. How he develops. Yeah, he needs to step up in competition. I saw someone saying, but this was the right fight because you could, like you really, I mean, the best he had fought was Andre Sukumtath, and then had two years out. You really couldn't throw him in with anyone. No, there, any was, there was. I was saying this on Twitter and said this to you as well. Like there was an argument that he may not even have been UFC caliber before yeah, that abso- fight. Absolutely. You know, um, so it's just good to know that he absolutely is. So someone tweeted saying like, "Oh, give him someone in the top five, and then give him Henry." No, 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 no. Yeah, no. let's give him, it, give yeah. him someone maybe. Top fifteen or just outside top fifteen. Oh yeah. Then top ten, then top five, and then we'll see. Yeah. yeah. But they have time with him. Benil Darius and Dracar Close, fucking crazy fight. It was a great fight. So good. Uh Darius rocked. Close rocked. Darius rocked. Close rocked. And then Close got slapped. Yeah. Which is unusual because Darius not known for that that pop. No, but I think <laughs> I'm the biggest surprise for me was that Close was able to under or was able to survive having Darius on his back for a minute. large period in the first round. <clears throat> yeah, uh, it was a great fight. Though. Darius is on a great run. He is. Do you see? He had a, like a weird call out of Whitaker after, but he wasn't calling him out. He was just like he meant to be like good luck to Whitaker and whatever he's going through. Kind of thing. What ended up was like a weird call out. <laughs> it's just bizarre. Fuck um, you, Whitaker. You're taking everything I worked for. <laughs> Wheelie Zhang and Yuanian Jacek was up next, um, which. Oh, hang on. We've missed fucking tons of fights. I'm an idiot. Um, Before we get to that, then. <laughs> Alexa Oliveira and Max Griffin. Close fight. Yeah. Um, Alex Oliveira came away with the win. Both guys looked good. Uh, Alex Oliveira gave the feather from his hat to Cowboy Cerrone. Oh, how romantic. Because I think Cowboy did that for him. I don't know. Is that at a one thing stage. with Cowboys? <sighs> I'm 
presume that have it is. a feather from my hat. It spots the thing between these two cowboys, anyway. I'm going to start doing that. Just wearing, like, a feather boa. <coughs> and just, just like, people pl- feathers. plucking one out and giving them to people I like. Or, or no, actually, that'd be, be way better as, like, a threat. What, like, oh, you leave it with like them once, co- once yeah. you've been given? Like a black feather. Oh, dear. It's like the, uh, like the kiss of death. Yeah. And it'd be known as, like, the raven. The raven. The raven. Now the raven. Brown. Oh, my God, I got a feather from the raven. Um, so that fight was what it was. There's not, not a great deal to go into. It didn't mean much for the rankings, I don't think. No, but guys got to work. Well, this is it. All those children got to eat. Yeah, absolutely. So he's having another one. Eleven children. With, like, three women on the same street. I was about to say, eleven children with thirteen different mothers, but uh, the old math doesn't line up too well there. No, it does not, but the, that is what it I is. I thought he was... I, I was saying this to you at the time. I thought he was in trouble or going to jail for kidnapping one of them on a motorbike. It's like... It was funny. They're probably just like... <laughs> it's just him being him. Yeah. Go on, you scam. Yeah, yeah, head case. Back Do on. you know, it's funny as well. It's like, they were talking about it, and then the next day, like... It's International Women's Day, and you're like, that's a man who I feel like wouldn't understand the significance of, of International Women's Day at all. No, he's literally fertilized an entire cul-de-sac. I decided yesterday, and this is a bit like weird, but I decided yesterday that because it was International Women's Day, I just quietly went about doing all of the traditional, like, this isn't what I believe, but <laughs> <coughs> all of the traditional... Uh, female tasks you know the the like the stereotype of the housewife the whatever i just went about yesterday i did all of those things all day instead of like splitting them with me and the missus i just thought you know what i don't but i wasn't like here do you know what i'm gonna do for you Walk a mile but i just did it shoes. yeah but i just did it because like i was like i want to know what it's like to just like be assumed that that's what you've got to do you know by some mm-hmm. asshole i'm sure it was nice for for melissa to have a day off from all the cooking and cleaning and well to be fair she doesn't cook at all anyway <laughs> she can't cook I should say um, but take I, away I her like right cooking. to vote <laughs> <laughs> I love cooking so it doesn't bother me at all I love cooking too um, but uh, no I, I just I just sort of took a weird notion yesterday we went out for a nice walk around uh, Day, which is a wee place that those who don't know like it's actually where Bear Grylls was born which I didn't know what? yeah he was born in Donegaday which yeah. is like literally population what like 2000 I was like population 12 and it's yeah it's tiny we, so we went for a lock along the I didn't, harbour I, like genuinely did not know that yeah yeah he was born in Donegaday and uh, spent a lot of his time I think in the Isle of Man growing up it's a weird place yeah cause it's a it's place like, I've no desire to go to I feel like unless you're unless you hate society or love motorbikes which kind of fuck all yeah yeah I mean the, the yesterday was kind of not eye opening but like it was weird to just kind of be like, why Why were these, like, ever expected to be one? Like, it's weird that it was ever a thing that, like, men and women had different roles like that, if that makes sense. I mean, yeah. obviously... You liked wearing the clothes, though. Well, I, I mean, I felt good in a, in a dress, but, yeah. like, I mean, I've got the legs for it. That's I'm true. I'm gonna. I'm gonna oh, feel yeah. good in a dress. Why wouldn't I? You know, it's 2020. It's the underwear. It's free. Absolutely. Do you know what? I saw someone post it on Twitter the other day, right? And they said... If you're a man above your 20s and you're still wearing boxers, are you even a man? And I felt like being like, first of all, who is not wearing boxers? Well, what are the options? Tidy whities I think you've three options, really. Briefs, boxer briefs, yeah. boxer four, boxers and Y-fronts, which are technically a form of brief. 
Oh Anything but a Y front is acceptable. What about thong? Well, thong's acceptable. Is it, is it a Y front? Mm, true. Then it's acceptable. You need thong boxers. Thong boxers. How would they even look? Boxers at the front, thong at the back. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> it's hard, hard. Essentially, just assless chaps. I don't know how anyone is comfortable in my front, though. I don't know. Like, hmm. is this about where you're going to be like? Actually, oh, sure. my choice of yeah, underwear is, is a Y front. I mean, I, like, I just, I also would never be like the thing with Y. You're not a man if I, you wear a certain type of underwear. Like, so yeah. stupid. Wear new underwear and be a man. Yeah. Well, um, I think you're probably more of a more man if you wear no underwear. But I suppose the benefit of a Y front would be it would never bunch up ever. But proper fitted boxers don't. True. Tell me if they're a bit big or baggy or... Yeah, where they're tidy boxers. Yeah. Yeah, like a boxer brief. That's yeah, cool. that's my choice. Yeah, but like... But I'm a man with large quads, so every so often it will... I'm so glad you finished out with quads. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm a man, man with, with large, large testicles. It's like two <laughs> Guatemalan avocados yeah. down there. It's like just a Tesco bag. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, we've digressed again. Uh, so Neil Magny and Li Jingliang. Uh, this shocked me. Well, great performance from in Neil hindsight, Magny. Yeah, I was like, oh, Li Jingliang's going to spark him. But then in hindsight, I was like, why did I expect that? Neil Magny did what Neil Magny does. Yes. Yeah. He bored people to death. I don't think it was boring. I'm joking. <laughs> it was a great fight. It was a good fight. Um, well, he just... <clears throat> it's hard to sum it up more than that. Neil Magny did what Neil Magny does. Decent striking. Got him up against the cage. Got him down a few times. Sort of neutralised all of Jing Liang's strengths. Yeah. Pretty dominant one-sided win. We'll get on to the uh, Kumian event, which is Wheelie Zhang and uh, Zhuani on Jacek. Uh, two things. One... Um, best fight, best women's fight ever, ever without doubt. Best WMMA fight ever. I can't think of one better now. And one of the best fights, full stop, ever. Yeah. And early contender for fight of the year. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> fucking ridiculous. I think the great. judges got it wrong. I've only watched it. Once and that was live, and Same. I had I had Joanna winning it live three two, yeah. But it's I think it's one of those ones where you definitely would need to watch it again. Yeah, but, with the commentary then, off. Yeah, but like I suppose it's hard to say that because judges don't have the benefit of that. Nah, we'll watch it again tomorrow and we'll get back to you who won. But that's to be fair. That yeah, that's true. But you also have to remember that that is like their well, job said, yeah, when we're watching we're, yeah, it. We're watching it. You know, we're not watching it specifically no. to score it because if you were, you know, you would we would probably put headphones in and yeah. you know do our best to sort of. <laughs> it was a great, great fight. Razor close though. Like, I had Joanna winning at the time, but was in no way upset with the decision. Yeah, yeah, that's sort of how I feel. Um, also, um, but I, I mean, we've said this before: no close fight is a robbery. No, no, so you know you can't really, you you can't really be too pissed off about it um, in that regard because I think people only ever get pissed off about it when they have a pre-existing bias or support going into it. If you were a massive Joanna fan, you're probably pissed. Yes, yeah, I I would say so. But at the same time, if you're like, if you liked both of them or you disliked both of them, I'm sure you were fine with anyway that could have been called yeah um, I mean it, it kind of 
I saw that we were talking about this just before. Dana White came out and was like, "Oh, I'm gonna make you know Wheelie Zhang a star." And it's like I actually put a tweet up out of like a guy rubbing his hands together. And it was like Dana White thinking about the Chinese market now. Well, they ain't going to China anytime soon. Shut that bitch down. True, true. But I mean, this is got this is bound to be massive for for the UFC in China. Oh yeah, absolutely. And rightly so. Isn't it weird that there's been like a real like stream of Chinese contenders, but only in women's MMA? Yes. Wonder why that hasn't translated over to the to the men's divisions. I think um, I don't know if this is a genetic thing or not, but there's like a there seems to be a a, a chin thing where like they either have ridiculous chins or like none <laughs> no just no lower jaw no no like <laughs> it's you but you just think like i know lots of people consider china to sort of be the birthplace of martial arts martial arts you'd think it'd be a, a maybe i think that might be part of the problem though but yeah i suppose yeah more traditional view of it a belief in traditional martial arts which would be that we detrimental yeah you know, because if you hold this, you know, I mean, we talked about this is one of the reasons why we, we, we learn, it, we learn it so we don't use it. But it's not even just that. <coughs> it's that they protect, you know, the, the reason why martial arts now are being found out more than ever is because, you know, if you look at what, what UFC and what cage fighting and what MMA, what it actually is, is it is as close to unruled combat as you can have in a civilized yeah. world. So what you see is this guy that in school, his brother's a brown belt and he or a black belt in this martial art, and he knows this punch and he can literally pull your throat out. Or you know, yeah. and we all heard this in school. I'm sure it exists in China even more so. You know, because they have so many traditional martial well, arts that come it, from there. But it's like different states sponsored as well because I remember seeing. Was a Chinese MMA fighter or coach? I think I think it might have been a wrestler, like a freestyle wrestler, mm-hmm. who just went round like all the traditional dojos and essentially, you know, issued a challenge and then proceeded to beat the fuck out of, you know, the the sensei there. And then I think like he literally, I think there's a vice story on this. So I think I remember yeah, seeing this. You should, well, if you're listening to this, look it up. Um, it'll obviously do it a lot more justice than me, who's recounting this from some dark corner of my memory. But I'm nearly certain. The Chinese government stepped in with him, and we're like, "No more, no more, cut it out." You know, like because a lot of their tourism is based, a lot on, of their tourism yeah. and lots of their sort of cultural beliefs and but that's what practices I was say is, are based on practice of traditional. But a lot arts. of it, as well, is like there's and it shatters that illusion. There's different, like say for argument's sake, to keep it simple, like kung fu. Yeah. There's like different types within families you know mm. almost like the gracie you know thing um, and yeah. the gracie kano divide and bjj and judo um excuse me where you have so many different martial arts and they're all protected by this you know the idea that the sensei or the master oh you wouldn't you wouldn't want to yeah. go near him you know and some 90 year old man that walks with a cane but he could still <laughs> beat you up you know which is obviously bullshit yeah but they I think to well, their, I think that was the issue with it. That. That the illusion was being shattered a bit by it. Yeah, and but I, then, but then, but then, why women's MMA? Why is there a str- like a stream of elite female Chinese fighters? Because I, uh, and I, this is this is pu- this is purely a guess. But I would imagine that women in China are not ingrained in martial arts as deeply as the male population which allows them really? to explore no 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 thought. what i mean by that is that they they 
I think that they were almost more open to explore alternative avenues of martial arts as where the dad will be, you do this type of karate, you do this type of kung fu, that is what you do. As with the girls, I think, potentially could be more likely to... Because it's such a sexist society over there. I mean, is that not the fucking... Is this but not the same country the, where it's yeah, like, if you the, don't have a boy, you have an abortion? Yeah, but that's the point, and that it would seem counter that to be like... Well, you're female, so you have more freedom to choose in which. But it's not. It's not more freedom to choose in which in th- in the sense of like whether you're allowed to. It's in that they're pro- maybe not forced to go and find a martial art. You're they're maybe not told by their dad. You're learning the same martial art that I learned under my father before me and his father before me. Mm. And they maybe going to school doing a bit of wrestling or you know, or, or fi- I don't know. But you know, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm guessing that there's perhaps more opportunity for them to stray away from the traditional avenues, not because of free choice in in the in China, but because of parental pressure, which I believe, in fact, I know from from reading a lot of people on Reddit and other things, parental pressure in the Asian community is like mm. a huge thing, oh, especially yeah. for like uh, American Asians. That, yeah, you know that. that oh no, I I hundred percent get that, but I mean these are both just guesses from us so if you're listening to this oh it's just opinion oh yeah if you're listening to this and you actually know or have some insight let us know because i'm genuinely curious yeah yeah Uh, absolutely it is it is interesting that as you say that the females are the ones who it's very nice of dana white to consider making her a star yeah because it's just that simple just it's funny how yeah click of the fingers UFC could do with a few more stars but i don't know dana must be holding off Uh, absolutely um so the main event uh, was Yul Romero and Adesanya in what was one of the most two-pipe fights I've ever seen. I was so excited. I was so excited. I loved it for the first two rounds because oh, I, yeah. watch, I kept watch, Watching believing. it live with you, your patience went with it. And you know what? Understandably so, because it was half six in the morning. It wasn't that. I mean, that's true, but... No, but like we, we had, you have to think of it this way for us, for European fans... The prelim started at, what, 11? Yeah, half 11 or yeah. something, yeah. We were seven hours deep, and we had been bombarded with promos. I'm going to knock them out. I'm going to crumble them like the Twin Towers. I'm going to blah, 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 blah. Uh, and then that happened. And I love the first two rounds were, like, super tense. And I was saying, like, it's not just the quality and content of what's happening to enjoy something. It's the environment in which you're watching yeah, the circumstance. So yeah, not a lot happened in the first round, but I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. Oh, hundred percent. And same with the second. But it was it was because there was the promise of something else, and it was just never arrived. It was exactly it. You know, the first the first bit um, was, you know, when they ste- when they stepped out and it, it, you Romero stood there. Um, it's like oh it, yeah, he's and- doing something. And and I genuinely believed that, that you know someone would explode, yeah, and that would be it. But there was glimpses of that in the first, but then it just never, never went any further. But it's frustrating because this fight was on paper one of the most exciting fights he could ever have made. Yeah, um, and it had all the ingredients. I also am happy with the score. I, I know that you disagreed. Yeah. I had Romero 1, 2, and 5. I can see a case either way, but I personally... I got to the point, though, at the end of it, where I was like... I don't even care. Well, <laughs> not that I don't even care, but, like... If Romero had a 1, I would have been like... Great. I wouldn't have been any more excited moving... Well, I suppose the only prospect which would have been excited moving forward is you would have got Romero Costa for 5 rounds. And it 
you literally couldn't get a bad fight there. No, but uh, the problem I have is that I I personally hold Romero more responsible than Adesanya for the way the fight went. Why? Because I felt Adesanya like... was the one saying that he was going to murk him, get rid of him in a round, calling him out. He called talk. him out. That's just fighting. shit talk. I know, but like when you shit talk like that, and you call out the guy, and you know you have a say in picking the opponents. I feel like mm. Romero didn't explode as often as every other fight he's ever been in. That's true. But I, I believe he was the aggressor. Just because he was walking forward. You know, I think that Adesanya's entire game plan was contingent on him getting bum-rushed. But why is, which never happened. But why is, why is it a fault of Romero that he didn't fall into what Adesanya wanted him to do? It's not because of what Adesanya wanted him to do. It's because that's what Romero's done in every other fight and choose not to for this fight for some unknown reason. I think it was a tactical reason. I think. It, what, like, what was his tactic? Stand and do fuck all? Well, no, he was baiting, I think. I think they were trying to bait each other into reacting first. Izzy, as you said, is <coughs> obviously an excellent counter-striker. So Romero didn't just want to plod forward through that and get chewed up so he tried to bait Izzy into being the aggressor which he didn't fight on so it well, led to long periods of inactivity someone, essentially waiting for someone to shoot first someone tweeted yesterday saying um, you know list of people who didn't fight Romero like a bitch and listed off you know Bronson and Whitaker and Costa and I just tweeted back and I was like list of people who didn't come out of that fight with like life fucking long damage yeah, Israel true. Adesanya it's true. I just didn't think. I don't think either of them are, are completely at fault. But like, I just I felt like Romero was. You can't walk forward and just do nothing. But you but, he was, but he was trying to bait him into. I, I get that, but like, I just, it just looked think, bad. I don't think you. Well, I think it looked worse for Adesanya. I don't think it did because I think he did more damage. I don't think so. I think he was on I the get. back foot. I know. He, well, how did he win then? Hmm. How did he win then? If he was in the back foot the entire time and didn't do more I'm damage, not sure, how did he win? I, because I didn't think he did win. That's what I don't get. I don't like. I don't think I saw enough out of Adesanya to award him the decision. And I also just before we move on, see the amount of people who are like, oh, "You have to comprehensively beat the champion to be the champion." No, fuck, fuck that. Right off. He did. He outstruck him. Now the thing but is, the numbers were that small that like I don't like, total numbers don't. There were like yeah, what, but not a lot else is happening. But there were like twelve to eight. Yeah, but then you have to take in other factors like octagon control and advancing and. You know. True, but I think they only count when they're attached to another aspect. I think the moments in which a fighter was in danger more was when Romero Romero had more moments. He just needed to do more, and he could have. He could have. It was infuriating watching I, it. I one hundred percent agree that he could have done more, but I think based off what we had, what we got, whether we like it or not, I think he did enough. I think if we had two more flurries in each round, or are you in the rounds, yeah. you know, like, that would have been enough to cement it, because it was razor close. I don't have any issue with people thinking Romero won. Yeah. And I also don't have any issue with Izzy winning, because well, I, I thought just, it, I don't understand how you can give Izzy... Like, one judge gave him four rounds to one. Like I didn't see that at all. I saw yeah. I had I had it 3-2. But again, only watched it live. Well, see, yeah, I thought... And it was a long night. It was a long night. Three and four, I can give to Izzy. Like, those were the the rounds were literally hardly anything. But there was one or two takedowns spread across them. You know, there was, like, slight moments. I think Romero won the fifth with advancing and trying to do stuff in the end. And I think the first and second were, like I said, 
they were both trying to bait each other in, and then I thought I actually thought Adesanya bit early in the first yep. and second round, but he got countered big. No, and do you know what? Fuck your Romero from now on. Why? Do you not watch the post fight press conference? Yeah. Do you not see what was said? The African running thing. Yeah. So of course he, you know, as he said, he's, he's African descendants. Of course, they're great runners. Like fuck you, man. That's not that dude. That's not cool. That's not cool. Yeah. That's not cool. Even as a white guy, I can say that that's totally not cool. It's not though. Like that. That is not like. It's a bad analogy, but like I don't think it's hyper offensive. I disagree. Why? I think What's you have to so be offensive. Uh, saying from a heritage of great runners, like factually. It'd be true. different if he just made an off-the-cuff comment about Nigerians being good runners because you could put you could put forward an argument that if you look at the Olympics or whatever, you just make a joke. Yeah. But talking about your descendants being great runners and stuff, it's just a little bit close to the bone. I get. I, I get, understand that. That's I get like that, very like, like the the line there is is very uh, close. I understand that because like one of them I'm completely okay with and one of them I'm not. I just felt a little bit fucking completely unnecessary. I just felt like a dick move and a bitter move. It probably is. Yeah, well, fuck him. He's a professional athlete. Losing is part of the sport. Yeah. You don't like just, it, then I'm not, get out. I'm just not worked up about that. I think it was just... I'm a, not worked up about it. I, I just thought it, it was a dick move. Yeah, and you get probably the, better better choices could have been made, but I'll, I'll let Yeah, like it, keeping your mouth shut. I'll let it... Well, he's at a press conference. I'll I let it slide just for being... Dude, like, but the, the, this is the problem: is you let that slide. What else are you prepared to let slide? Do you know what I mean? Well, I think everything's on a case by case basis. I don't think he said anything outright detrimental. I think, well, detrimental to who? Well, Afro Nigerians. I'm pretty confident there's a lot of people. Will particularly, I would assume, Adesanya fans, possibly Nigerians, potentially even just some some black people, will absolutely be put off him permanently because of that they're allowed to be they absolutely are allowed to be but what but i'm saying is the actual content of what he said yes not the smartest or best thing to say there however it could have been a lot worse and i actually don't think he said anything too overly offensive he just said like i classify myself as very hard to offend and i'm not personally offended by this because i'm not personally affected by this mm-hmm. but i can understand just how offensive that could be to somebody we last week or possibly the week before on this podcast had to talk about. Uh, I don't know. We had something to be, like, I'm trying to think of like the equivalent for us white Europeans. Yeah, uh, making a joke about Nazis or something. Not really. That was a very like. Well, like it's it, you know, it it's like making a joke about Africa. anything to do with race. Like you're white, which means I know this. I'm not running this very close and trying not to offend, but like what he's like, the African nations. Are good at running sports, but that's, but that's what I just said. I said but the like, problem. No, is no, but like saying white Europeans are all Nazis is not the same because it was a very small part of. Well, you could argue that white, white people were white very European. good at genocide. <laughs> you can make you can make that argument you know I mean? for pretty much any race. <laughs> well, you can, but that's what I'm saying. Is it? It's it's just it's a fine line. But I think I, said, I think there's a difference between saying yeah you're good at genocide and you're good at running. Yeah, no, I get that. My, like, I just it's hyperbole think, for I, the point of the argument. Oh, I know, but, but I just don't think that there's really that much in it. I, I just think. Was think just, I think it was. And a, like you said, a better, an annoyed thing to say, and there's probably better ways to say it. However, in the big scheme of things, I think it'll just disappear. I don't even need to see that much outrage over it. I think that 
the the line was the descendants bit, not the not that uh, not not the running bit. The descendants is a funny word. Like people get all up in arms about when you say thing ancestors, descendants. It's like you don't talk ill of the past. Well, that's kind of what I was saying. Is that's why I can see why people oh, no, would be annoyed. I can see, but I just I don't think I honestly don't think it'll be. It'll be a non-issue as of. I don't next know. I, th- I think I think there'll be quite a few people annoyed about that. But anyway, they might be annoyed about it. But I honestly don't. Think I just I lost a lot of respect for him because, you know, you have some class. That's it. Just have some class. I'm not personally offended by this. I don't. No, I don't. And I, I don't and I'm not going to play the card. I don't know of if being, I care. About, that sounds weird. I don't know if I care about class. Like I'm allowing him. Not just him, but like people in those situations that they are. I just don't think they're vulnerable to come into it. Better, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. It was a stupid thing to say. Yes, it was. Well, I'm not like I'm not going to play the card of being offended on behalf of other people, but I can see why other people would be offended by this. Like yeah. I'm not personally offended. Oh yeah, but I'm just saying it doesn't like, affect. But what me. I'm saying is like even from what I've seen, I, there doesn't seem to be that much of a backlash to it. So I think that's what I'm saying. I think it'll just. I don't think it was a big enough statement or offensive enough that it'll it'll be hung on to. I think it'll literally, as of next week, you'll probably never hear well, of it again. Well, we'll see. Well, there's um there is some more talk about Romero coming up uh, from our listener questions later on. So, uh, Paulo Costa, obviously was they were clearly going to put him in the cage. Uh, he yep. started jawing, went over the barrier, they took him backstage, whatever. He was speaking at the post fight press conference. Yeah, it was weird. It was weird, wasn't it? Was like, yeah, yeah, let's hear from this guy who wasn't involved at yeah, all. Really odd. Um, odd. I think I said this to you before we started recording. I think I was just they were go obviously going to get him into the cage and I got a bit too excited or something. And then yeah. didn't want to take that risk. He is He does seem a bit of a hothead. Like Oh yeah. I think oh fuck yeah. I yeah. think yeah. So if you put him in the cage like that. Yeah, like it wouldn't have shocked me to see him like kick off. No, 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 not um, at all. He's looking beefy, large. First of all, that dude was definitely wearing makeup and lipstick. Are you gonna say something about it to his face? <laughs> no, <laughs> dude. See the like, dude's face is like three feet wide at the minute. That's how he's got that chin going. So he's, how he can take that much damage. It's a terrible shirt he was wearing as well. It's fucking awful. It's like a, a pair of curtains. It's just a bad all round look. It's terrible. Um, he looked like Debal Galquan. <laughs> we have uh, more coming up on him and the listener questions as well so on to some news before we uh, get on to the next uh, segment where we should hopefully be joined by Mr. Curtis Blades so uh, Nunez and Spencer is confirmed for UFC 250 we'll have a complete breakdown closer to the time dead woman walking why do you think the UFC picked Spencer over Anderson or do you think Nunez picked Spencer over Anderson I don't think Nunez picked it. I just get the impression from her that she doesn't have too much. So not, yeah, she just doesn't really care. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I actually don't know. Because um, we, we, I think both of them, like we, like we said, they're before, both due. Both, yeah. Well, they're both on one fight win streaks in that you know, division, like, though. But you know what I'm saying. I think they both get absolutely whooped badly. Yeah, but I don't. I don't know. I don't understand any particular. There's no real reasoning for either. Maybe because Spencer's a bit more well known in Brazil because she fought Cyborg. Yeah, yeah. It's maybe a bit more name recognition. Yeah, that could be it. But apart from that, 
I don't really know. It's odd because when we broke down the card where Spencer fought and Anderson fought and they both won, we both kind of agreed that Megan Anderson's probably the one they're gonna on the only reason I can think of for the UFC is they maybe want to give Anderson another fight or two because they might feel that that is the bigger fight. Keep that in the back pocket. I don't know because like they can't. It's got a headline, they, isn't it? They did that. Spencer Nunez gonna headline something, isn't it? No, I think it's on the Aldo Cejudo card. Is it? That's okay because that's not the strongest fight to be headlining, and even a no. fight night card. No. Um... I don't know if they're doing that with Anderson because they did that before. She was brought in as like the big featherweight, and then lost to Holly Holm. So I don't know if they'll risk because, like I've said this before, I feel like I'm ragging on her every time. I just don't think she's that good, um, or yeah. that elite. Um, and yeah, I think, as you said, she's tall and has tattoos. Yeah, but I think there's a very real risk that if she fights again, she could lose, and then you lose a contender. Yeah, that's a hundred percent true. And like, on, like if you put her with. Jermaine Durandamy like, oh, good grief well I'm picking Durandamy you know yeah and then you lose Anderson as a potential opponent did you see who is going to hopefully be headlining UFC San Diego San Diego Dustin Poirier and Dan Hooker that's a great fight it's a great fight I wish they'd rerun Pel- Felder and Hooker though and one of the one of those ones but uh, it's a great yeah. fight yeah like we said this all the time but like can Hooker beat Poirier Yes, but I would favour Poirier. Poirier's in a funny position, though, because he's been to the mountaintop. Mm-hmm. He's probably realised, you know what? Never going to beat Habib. So I'm never going to be champion again. I've probably been. Unless I go to 145. Which he can't. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, and at 170 is another murderer's rule for him. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um. If it was the Dustin Poirier who was booked to fight Max Holloway, I'd be like, oh yeah, Poirier's pretty safe here. But Hooker's on the way up. He's on a real surge. Poirier on the... It's hard to say he's on the downswing. But you know what I mean. Like mentally, it'd be hard to yeah, get up for it. get up for it. Yeah. So, I don't know. I quite, I quite like it as a fight. I just think that Poirier is better everywhere uh, everywhere like they're on, on they're, paper maybe not pure kickboxing but pure boxing though Poirier's pretty elite yeah but, in pure boxing yeah but I mean it's never going to be pure boxing against Dan Hooker yeah well I think that well, I think this fight will be a boxing match because I think that Poirier will stand in boxing range to remove some of See, the, I think the kicking been, danger I think Poirier's been vulnerable at boxing range before against other good boxers they're good kickboxers though like there's very few pure boxers no no don't True, we, when we when we say things like but pure boxing it's not it's just it's like it's how good he is with his hands in MMA striking yes because that is different to pure boxing I think yes I agree he's got great hands but like when he got uh, who's the guy Michael Johnson sparked him Michael Johnson who has great phenomenal hands but is also that's from a kickboxing base. Yeah. So, I don't think Hooker has, like, terrifying one-punch power to threaten him with. Nope. But, his all-around game could be overwhelming. I, think I mean, he's, Dustin Warrior is tough as shit. I think he's defensively suspect, Hooker. Hooker? Yeah, he used, he relies too heavily on leg kicks. 
as a defensive mm. strategy, not offensive. Yeah. So, I mean, it's still favoured, Dustin, but... Massively for me. Yeah. I'm about 70-30. No, I'm 85-15. Yeah. I but am Dustin's not the sort of striker like Barboza who can meet fire with fire. Speaking of Edson Barboza, asking for his release. Yeah, weird, because he's just announced to go on the featherweight not that long ago. So I wonder. Sort of came out of the blue. I wonder, are they refusing? I mean, right. Let's let's be honest about it. There's I wonder no is he going at fifty five. I wonder is he asking for like too much money? Maybe not money, but like, you know, I'm coming down. I want a number one contenders fight, and they're going, nah. You gotta have a few. He needs to have at least two. Well, he needs to show that he can make the weight first, or then you fall into that thing where they've had their uh, hands burnt before with Pettis. Yeah, first fight down. You have one fight, and then you can have a title fight. And he struggled the first time, and then missed it the second time. Yeah, which fucks up the whole packing order. Very, very true. Um, if Barboza goes anywhere else outside the UFC, good luck to whoever fights him. You see, the thing is, he could be a champ in Bellator. Who is that? It's Pitbull. Oh, jeez. Yeah, give Pit- me, give me Pitbull, Pitbull Barboza, Barboza, Ooh. please. I think he walks the PFL. Oh, 100%. Like, I wouldn't even be... Go win a million dollars and retire. That must be really, really appealing to that. Oh, hell yeah. To guys who've sort of... Hell yeah. Top five in and around who can't... They're not going to get out, like... Although he's not going to, like we just said about Dustin Poirier. He's sort of been there now. He's done it. You know, in his office at home or on his mantelpiece, he has a UFC belt. Yeah. Which he won. He's not going to get another one. No. There's a million dollars out there against guys just who are waiting. not as good. Just waiting. A yeah. million dollars just waiting for But him. then is that the risk that lots of those guys fall into? Where they're like, they're not as good out there. And then they go and they get caught by surprise by someone. You have seen it happen. Yeah, yeah. But then you also saw Sean O'Connell win a million dollars. That's true. Who was, it's true. Know, but that's what I mean. Like borderline I think, UFC. You know. I th- well, he was a long run in the UFC. Yeah, I th- yeah. I but think it, it's. I, I think mean, it's at a, that stage in his career. I think it's a mentality thing. I think if guys think they're going to go there and walk it, and don't take the training as seriously, yeah, you're asking for trouble. Oh yeah. But 100%. if you like, can maintain the same work, work rate. rate and like desire as like you did on your run to I the think UFC you do, title though, because of the idea of like, winning a million dollars, like that's a pretty big incentive to take it seriously. That's, that's very true. Um, but I mean you can presume that there's some sort of issue with the UFC whether it's they're not thrilled about the idea of him going to featherweight or they're not matching him up with someone he feels is a good matchup personally I think you start at 8 and you do Jeremy Stevens. yeah and you work your way down you do that you maybe do Yair Rodriguez versus Barbosa. that's a great fight and then, a beat. yeah and then you look at as a beat or an Ortega and then all of a sudden you're at a shot but like he has to take it relatively slow. I mean, you can't, right? So he's ranked 10th in lightweight, right? Yeah. So you can't <laughs> realistically. Thing, you ha- that's if the you're going to. He's not ranked. Yeah. No, if, if he was, he was ranked, ranked three, 5 or yeah. 3. But so you're going to either have to give him someone 15 to 10 or 10 to 8. You can't go much above that. No. Someone, the rule should be someone that you would rank him with or fight, match him with at lightweight. So with him being 10th, could you see him getting a matchup against, say, Ally Quinto or Kevin Lee yes you could not Kevin Lee because they fought but you understand what I'm saying yeah. they were then two you could see that happening so yeah. I think feasibly if you go down to featherweight you can apply the same logic he can fight anyone from 15 to 10 nah, or we'll give I you 9 to, to 8 you know 
10 to 5. Yeah. Well, 10 to 5 is quite big, but like 10 to 8, I'm 10 to 7. I'm cool with. But Moicano's at 7, who I think has done it featherweight. Yeah, he's just moved on, probably. Yeah, so. Anyway, uh, Tony Hanabib's press conference just happened. What did you think of it? I hate press conferences. I hate Why? This. Because they're, they're just... They're bullshit. They bring out the worst in everyone. <laughs> These guys feel like they have to play up to it and act. You know, I think it sounds you know, fighters who are that concentrated on training and becoming the best they are, that sort of consumes them. And there's actually very few of them who have these sort of like Conor McGregor marketable personalities. And we even saw Conor with these stupid press conferences. Yeah. The pressure to sell and the pressure to drum up fake nonsense just bring, like I just said brings out the worst in people I yeah. thought I don't really no, I don't really like Habib no but he's dull just as a person and I really dislike the Tony shtick um, I, you know, I just think it's is it, is it shtick though? yes because I've seen well he's just a bit of a bell end in general but I do see videos of him like backstage when he's talking to Willie Zhang and everything where he just seems like Normal. perfectly reasonable person, but yeah, just the idea of like we'll get this guy up whose English isn't the best because it's not his first language against this moron who's just going to shout things and swear at him over the top and try and it was so obvious there was nothing personal there. No, but he just kept trying to make it manufacture and, it. Yeah, yeah, and then it just developed and oh, I just hated it. I just, they they don't build excitement to me for the fight. No, no. For any fight, I can't. Some think of, of them don't. I yeah. can't think of a single press conference where I'm like mm, I'm way more into this now because of the press conference. I think you should only do it if the fighters actually want to do it. Because there are like there's been some of some of the best UFC highlights ever have come from press conferences. Yeah, but like also know, some of the worst parts. But of that's true. That's true. But that's what I was gonna say is, I think if the fighters are particularly keen to do it. Or there's something explicitly markable. There's a rivalry. You know, they were ex-teammates. They, you know, they don't get yeah, on for like whatever the reason. The only one where I can really, but even still, it was just a bit cringy. Was like Jones DC, where there's an actual narrative, mm-hmm. a previous narrative, rather than trying to create one. Um, oh, I just hate it, and I just the Tony thing, whether it's real or an exaggeration of what he's really like, it was just so bad. The shades inside the base, the baseball. Like what the fuck? Um, the gloves. Oh, I just, I hate it. I really hate it. And the, the press stuff is just. They're not. They're not press conferences. What do you mean? Like they're more just pep rallies. Like whip idiot fans up and eventually tweeting a bunch of nonsense, which has been said. Mm, true, true. I don't know. Like, I mean, I think the problem you have is, as you, you sort of said, is that Khabib doesn't really have much personality in that regard. You know, no, but the part of that the, is... The, the interest with Tony and Habib is that they're the two best. Like, I don't think... It's this, is like, expectation that there always has to be something personal. I can be interested in it just because they're both really, really good. True, and that is ultimately what the appeal of the Tony Habib fight is. Yeah. They're both really, really good. So, next, it'll be on to listener questions. 
It's Listener Questions. Yay! So we have a number of listener questions today. Uh, thank you, as always, for getting involved. So at the MMA, well, sorry, at the underslash MMA underslash game, the MMA game asks us, what is our take on Tony Ferguson saying fuck you to the reporter during the last press conference? Eh, the mental health, it wasn't really even a question. No. It was just sort of, well, I suppose if you're going off like, professional sports or professional athlete behaviour it's highly unprofessional but I don't know like I suppose it's up to Tony whether he wants to publicly discuss his mental health yeah and I don't ever really remember well he's well he didn't instigate it I don't know how happy I'd be with someone sort of like very publicly hey we're going to talk about your mental health in front of everyone yeah to be fair though he also did have like public mental health issues you know it'd be different if that was behind closed doors i think i think it's a fair game but you just you know you still just say look i'm not yeah i'm not going to talk about that you know you know he also seemed to cut him off before he even started and then told him to fuck his advice which the guy wasn't giving him advice it was just odd odd Um, but odd and classless yeah it goes back to my views on press conferences in that like they're not actually for anything remotely proper do you know what i mean yeah like so that's probably from the ufc's perspective or the marketing perspective it's better that he's acting like a moron and being a dick to that guy because it's a sound bite and half the people will think he's a dick for doing it and the other half will think oh he's amusing you don't give a fuck yeah no it was a, it was a classless move but like i mean meh mm. not not overly phased either way no uh at Red, white, under slash, Gunner. Um, mm. Well, just because he's an Arsenal fan? Yeah. No, well, you're a Man United fan, you can't talk. Um, he tweets saying, when do we see Israel versus Paolo being made and what's left for Yol in the middleweight division? So, as we sort of discussed earlier on, Israel v. Paolo, I think is meant to be July, is the sort of rough thing. I think it's quite obvious we're going to bring him into the cage. So, I think it's a safe assumption that is the fight. Trying to do it and are they going back to Australia anytime soon? No, but they could. Yeah. Um, or, well, can't but, see them doing it. Well, no, because they've got a big Brazil card with two title fights already, so they're not going to put on that. What's left for Yule in the middleweight division? For me, personally, we were talking about this off-air this morning, um, I think that Yule would be better served going up to light heavyweight because Dana has said, that's it for Yule, no more title shots. Now, you can't necessarily just accept that, but at the same time, I think it makes sense for you all to go up to light heavyweight because a win or two there and he's right in the mix. Yeah. I also think, though, that he's only going to fight top five guys, barring, like, a bad loss at middleweight, which I don't really see happening. You know, someone, like, knocking him dead. Um, I don't think he can knock out Yoel Romero anymore. Just that head doesn't move enough. Um... For me, if he's staying at middleweight, the fight to make is him and Darren Till. Yes. Because... In UFC Dublin. Oh, hell yeah. Very winnable. Um, And then one more. And I know Dana said he's not giving him any more title shots, but if he literally is plowing through your top five, you can't really deny it. Plus, you add in the fact that whether anybody enjoyed it or not, 
this fight was razor close and it's not inconceivable that he essentially could be champion right now so it'd be a hard sell he'd have to have some impressive wins to try and get him back in the cage with Adesanya however in a alternative universe where Paulo Costa beats Adesanya you telling me that like one win and the win book Romero Costa two in a hurry yeah, I mean they would if if yeah, I mean if he wins that, I mean that that fight's guaranteed chaos. But then I thought that about the Adesanya fight personally. I I think Yule could easily go up to light heavyweight, and I don't see why he wouldn't. No, it's it's probably it's probably time. And for his health, you know the the cuts are obviously yeah, but he's, he's a man approaching him. his mid forties. I know he's the point zero 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 one percent of athletic freaks, but he ain't gonna beat Father Time, and I'm sure those cuts are getting harder and harder. That is true. So, at Snowdragon underscore, uh, he tweets at us saying, discuss the possible reasons why draws are so difficult to come by. Yuani and Jacek and Wang Zhili uh, could easily have been a draw. Yuani and Jacek won by strikes and uh, Wheelie won by damage. I just don't see the issue calling that fight a draw. I don't think there is an issue calling that fight a draw. No, I think the problem... Not the problem, but I think why people are so against draws in MMA is that it's not like any other sport in that there's quite often large periods of time between fights and a draw slows down the natural progression of everything. Do you know what I mean? Like it sort of stalls it out, um, so therefore they're avoided like the plague. I think more fights could and probably should be scored draws, but I think for the sake of rankings, they like to move that on further. And I suppose the reason we don't see more draws is that the 10-9 point scoring system um, makes makes it very... It would have to be a ridiculously, exceptionally close round to score a 10-10. A lot of the time we only see draws because fighters have been docked points. Yeah. You know, it's very, very rarely we see a fight with no files, no docked points, just scored as a draw. Yeah, I agree. I think you're right, and that the issue is obviously because it's five rounds, not four or six. You know, I think judges, yeah, quite it's difficult that, to score. But the judges are also very that, hesitant to score. You, you, you've first-hand experience of this hesitancy in yep. exc- in scoring a ten ten. I round. did. No, but that's what I mean. Like you know why, and like you, well, yeah, it's not booed. not back. Yeah, I suppose you received a bit of backlash for it, but I mean, it seemed like a perfectly reasonable score. Um, but yeah, I think the main thing is that it just slows the progression down. Essentially, like especially in like title fights, so ch- most champions fight twice a year. Yeah, three if they're active. If you score at a draw, you pretty much have to do a rematch straight away. So therefore, everyone else in the division is held held back. Well, not held back, but, like, the progression is stalled out for six months to a year at any given time. Yeah. So they're absolutely desperate to keep the wins and losses coming. To keep yeah, I mean, taking I get over. that. It's I the status quo. Like, if this was a sport where you could compete more often, ultimately it's not because of the circumstances and the consequences. But that's why. Yeah. You know, you just... You can't afford... You can't afford draws. Everyone else can't afford draws. It's nearly better... For everyone, I know it's hard if you if you're on the receiving end of a of a decision where mm-hmm. 
you know, it's very close or could have swung the other way. It's hard on you, but it's for the greater good nearly. Yeah. But I'm sure that doesn't uh, doesn't really help many fighters, you know, when they're lying in bed at night. True. I think there's a hesitancy from the judges to score draws, and I think there is a, an unwritten pressure on them not to as well. Yeah. I think that's, that's part of the problem. Um, so the next question is from Antonio Panetta, um, which is at Antonio Panetta, P-I-N-N-E-T-T-A. And he says, maybe what is next for Joanna, my brother? Some time off. Good Lord, some time off. Yeah. I would like to see them run it back. Yes. But like I just said with the previous question, that sort of stalls up everyone else. However, until... They have to wait for Andrade and Namunas. True, and God knows how that goes. Um, If Andrade was to win, I doubt there's many people clamoring for Andrade to get straight back in with another title shot. I think, however, if Rose wins, you will see her get a title shot yeah um so we'll see Probably how that, so yeah we'll see how that one plays out um but for me if in a perfect world some time off and i'd book them to fight again i thought that was i personally scored it for joanna would need to watch it again but yep. razor Same. razor close fight it was super um, close. plus i think they need to kill some time until tatiana suarez is correct is available. which we will get to in a moment um so <laughs> Uh, that's the next question, which is at Andrew Lennon, M-I-3, um, it's L-E-N-N-O-N-M-I-3, so Andrew Lennon, M-I-3, uh, he says, who wins, Tatiana or Zhang? I say Tatiana because she's scary and I fully trust in her abilities. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think she's champion and waiting. I think she beats... Them all? All of them, yeah. All of them, literally all of them. She, yeah. Her, her wrestling is just that good. And just for that weight division, she's way... She's just big. She's really big for that weight division. I know Zhang is, you know, physical and muscular, but there's just a bigger frame on Suarez. Um, and, yeah, the wrestling. Like she could get... She could get pieced up. It's a great fight, but I would... Uh, you nearly always favour, if so, you know the stronger grappler and especially add in the size yeah it's a tough fight for for any of them um but i don't know when she's coming back like she feels like she's been out injured for for donkeys so uh i, I completely agree uh at uh, exposed angles uh hidden angles slash exposed fighter he says talk about suhudu ducking yan and aljo um <laughs> I don't know if he did duck them or if he just took a different fight, if that makes sense. I don't know if he, yeah. he wouldn't fight them or did he just had another I think there's option. A, there's a business sense there in that Aldo is the far more well-known name out of those. Yeah. Um, lot, I mean, lots of it's to do with legacy and lots of it's to do with he's unfortunately on the receiving end of pretty much the most famous knockout in UFC history. So... Thousands of fans, millions of fans know who who Jose Aldo is. The same can't be said for Jan or Aljo. Um, it's a big legacy fight as well. People are writing Aldo off. Um, I give him every chance. But if you can beat Aldo, that like if anyone beats Jose Aldo, that is a big feather in your cap because he's Jose Aldo at the end of the day. And I think Jose Aldo, as we've said before on this podcast, I think he is a 
pretty horrific matchup for yeah. uh, Suhudo, and he's going to be a lot bigger too. Oh yeah, the size is going to be ridiculous. The anti wrestling, and then if he can keep it on the feet, jeez. The only thing would be uh, where I would have Suhudo. Obviously, Suhudo has a huge advantage in wrestling, but cardio. We're yet to see Aldo. Obviously, he's only had one fight at uh, 35. Yep. Over five rounds with that heavy wrestling pace. Yep. Could be interesting, but I think he's I think he's trouble for for Cejudo. I agree. But yeah, I don't think he's I don't think he's ducking anyone. I just think for his own legacy and for his uh, for his bank account. Aldo's just a more sensible choice. And if he gets through Aldo, then these fights are all they're all still there, you know. Whereas you sort of have to strike while the iron is hot with with big names like Jose Aldo. No, I'm not I'm not saying it's fair, but it's reality, you know. Yeah. If Aldo was to lose badly or again at Bantamweight, then it's curtains. True. And that fight's gone. So at James Reese, that's at James R E E S eighty three asks, what's the biggest fight out there to make that hasn't been made? Uh, Nganu and Jones. It's a great fight. Yeah, I think that Nganu beats Jones. Well, Nganu could beat any man on earth. Correct. I'm less confident in Jones now. Same. I le- I like Jones at heavyweight less than I ever have. Yeah. It depends how he, he bulked up to it. I don't think it does. If he if he just fought the way he physically is now, where he's like, nah, I'm not, you know, I'm just not cutting weight anymore. I think he's in trouble. I think he'd be in trouble anyway. I think he's shown that he's he's hittable. Um, and I think that at heavyweight, that gets you iced. It's true. Yeah, he's played a dangerous he, enough game as it is. He doesn't, and he wouldn't have that range advantage over those guys because no. Ngani must be six, three, or four as well. Yeah, yep. with an eighty-inch reach, so you really do do lose that. Yep. I want to see Jones at heavyweight just because I feel like. But what else is there to see? Well, yeah, well, there's been the promise of it for so long. Um, I think my biggest fight is. Well, there's two, and they're interchangeable, but it's, it's you, you bring GSP back, and you do GSP Habib, which yep. is massive, or you do, which is even bigger from a uh, financial standpoint, yep. an interest standpoint, is GSP Connor, which is, like, that's ridiculously huge. You that do, would be massive. You stick that in a big stadium in Canada, and that breaks all pay-per-view records. Yeah, that would ever. be huge. That would be huge. That would be one that, that you could do. GSP, Habib's I'm, I'm surprised one. they're not pushing more for it. I know GSP is... Is he fully retired? Is he semi-retired? Is he waiting for the right fight? But the fact that they've got Connor at 170 fighting... Seems like a perfect... Yeah, it's like... Just now I'm surprised chance. there isn't a narrative being pushed from the UFC that, like, this is the fight. Um, I think GSP murks him, by the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he'd kill him. Um... GS from a like an actual like technical standpoint, like a comp- competitive fight, the biggest fight for me would be Habib GSP. That would be phenomenal. Yeah, um, yeah, that would be one I would love to watch. So, uh, at Steeljaw MMA tweets at us and says, "What do you believe Paulo Costa's keys to victory are in his title challenge?" Well, first of all, I think that that's a 
tough fight for Costa. Yeah. He's just walking into a wood chipper. But I think... He's tough. He is tough. And I think... We were talking about this earlier. The way Adesanya rears back for counter-striking. Yep. It's reflex-based a lot of the time. Um, Romero was only really showing throwing single shots. If you can sort of step in and catch him reeling back to set up a counter-strike and just essentially bulldoze through, you can catch him. Like Gastelum caught him a couple of times. Um, I'm not sure if Costa's ground game. I haven't really seen enough of it. I haven't seen a lot of it at all. Uh, but if, I, th- if I don't think it, that fight goes there. No, anyway. um, but I think that's <laughs> that's the way he wins. He essentially bites down on his mouthpiece, steps through the onslaught, and starts throwing them bungalows. Yeah, just hopes that he clips him. I I very heavily favor Adesanya against Costa. Yeah, I would favor Adesanya. Picks him apart. Yes, that's what I think. I think the only path to victory at all is toughness and grit and just being able to walk through the fire, but I don't see it happening. Um, at Sarah Eliza, uh, which is at Needy STXR, um, she has asked, uh, well, this, this is all because at Ewan Lavender, our friend, which, sorry, no, Ewan Lavender, at Lavender MMA, he's been asking us about this Tupperware situation for the snackajacks which are giant rice cakes now we were talking about today because you actually bought some because it's been in your head because of that he planted the seed i think he works for them he must do he must be like their pr guy um so we have a pack sitting around somewhere uh and then she was saying do you say caramel or caramel caramel yeah caramel 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 sounds wrong that sounds like that's a name yeah caramel's a name you're missing the a out it's not it's, spelt that yeah, way. It's caramel. Caramel. Yeah. Caramel. Uh, also one of your favourite things because it has mel in it. You do know I, I do love things with my name in it. Um, so caramel, yeah. And if you're saying it the other way, you're wrong. Yeah, I would agree with that. But we, we can't really speak because we're Northern Irish. So we literally can't really speak because like one of the things... Apparently, if you're, well, if you're learning English, we have the easiest dialect and accent to learn from the from Britain we're easier to learn than people with English accents or Welsh or Scottish because they say they would say like how now brown cow as we say hi now now, and like power shower would be parshar power shower so we say parshar like (laughs) p-a-r-s-h-a-r we just knock some some vials out of things but it seems so weird because like when people say that I'm, I'm like yeah how now brown cow and they're like, no, no, how, now, brown, cow. And I'm oh, like, no, brown nah, cow. Nah, fuck that. It's wrong. It's wrong. It is wrong. So, yes, caramel. Um, Although so that doesn't irk me quite as much as aluminum. It's aluminium. Yeah, aluminium. Aluminium. I'll fight to the death over that. Yeah, it's not aluminum. No. Aluminum. 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 Yeah, it's lost all meaning now. Yeah. Alum- aluminum cans. Aluminium. And I don't, I don't want to get in a plane made out of aluminum. There's eyes in there. Aluminum. You're just du, 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 you're du, taking du. the eyes out of it. You're not pronouncing it right. Yeah, I know. It's literally missing letters. It's aim. Aluminium. Aluminium. Yeah. That wraps up our listener questions. Boom. Very pleased to be joined by Curtis Blades. Uh, this is an excerpt from the interview that we have with Curtis Blades today. Uh, obviously, his news with the fight of with Volkov has been uh, been out this week. So we'll talk to him about that and much, much more. So here it is. Enjoy. Yes, welcome, Curtis Blades, to the Super Ad MMA Show. The news is obviously that your fight with Volkov's been announced. Um, 
you've been quite vocal about the steep ATC situation uh, and where you stand at heavyweight. So the first two questions would be, how do you feel having to sort of take a step back in the rankings in that regard? How does that fight make you feel? Um, I mean, I get it. It's not DC's fault. It's not. It's really all on Stipe. It's just all. It's on him for uh, dragging ass and, and not being aggressive about giving us a date. And I just, I don't want to wait around and and end up not having a matchup. I just want to get paychecks and get them my my uh, contract. I still have a couple more fights on it, so I'm just doing my best to work it, work yeah. it away. Well, how how, uh, how confident are you going into the Volkov fight? Obviously, you've been on a bit of a run recently. Do you feel that he can offer you anything that you haven't already dealt with on a number of occasions in the UFC? No, I've, I don't think he has anything I haven't already uh, dealt with. Like you just said, I know I'm the better grappler. Uh, you know, my hands are good enough to hang with him if I have to, but I'm pretty confident I'll be able to secure a takedown. And then I'm very confident that he doesn't have the grappling to get up. Hmm. Yeah, do you, sorry, go ahead, Mel. Yeah, I was just wondering, do you have a preference of, uh, you know, who you'd like to fight down the line, rather Stipe or DC, or does it just, you know, it's whoever's I mean, got the belt? Yeah, whoever has the belt. And even if I did have a preference, the UFC doesn't care about who I prefer. I mean, they're going to give me who they're going to give me. So that's why I just <laughs> always have that in my mind. I I don't get to pick. I'm not I'm not at that that level where I get to pick and. I really don't ever want to be that guy. I don't want to be picking and choosing. If I feel like I'm the best, that means I'm the best. That means I could beat anybody. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you kind of showcased that with your JDS fight where I think most people saw something in you that that perhaps you weren't able to show in the past for whatever reason where, you know, you not only finished it on the feet, but you did it uh, after your grappling game plan sort of uh, changed, I suppose. Um, Is that something that you've been working on a lot? Obviously, it's like, I don't want to be that guy to be like, have you been working on your striking, Curtis? Because of course, of course you have. But, you know, yeah. is that something that you, you feel more and more confident in with each fight? I mean, yeah. Um, confidence is, is just repetitions. And the more I get in there, and the more I strike with Ben Alistair, Mark Hunt, JDS, going in there with guys like that, guys who have all the wisdom and all those years of experience and being able to not only hang with them, but beat them. Yeah, it, it gives me a major, major boost in my confidence. Yeah. I've been confident in my hands ever since the Mark Hunt fight. Yeah. Like, I've yeah. been, ever since that fight, I've been pretty confident. I just haven't been forced into using my hands, that's all. It's true. I mean, if you don't need it, don't use it. Um, are you bringing anyone special in the, the camp? You know, because obviously Volkov, I think he's 6'8 or 6'7. You know, anyone with a bit of extra height to, to mimic him in sparring or anything like that? No, I mean, uh, Alistair, he throws a pretty good uh, uh, lead leg teep, so <laughs> I'm using him pretty, pretty much. And he's he's got he's got a lot of um, little hints and tips to give me. So. What has that been like having someone of his caliber in, in your corner, and what does it say about him that, that he's been able to, to be so... Uh, 
so kind with his time with you. You know, after you guys fought, you know, I mean, my my uh, my missus had just got into the UFC uh, as a fan, and then she saw that, and that she actually said when we told her you were coming on, she said is one of her most vivid UFC memories was was your fight with Alistair. Um, what's it like having him? as a friend, as a, as a teammate, you know, especially given you guys fought, you know, was that a weird dynamic initially or did you guys just jump straight into to being teammates? Initially, yeah, it was a little weird because that's not something I would have the, the... He's a professional. Like, for him to reach out to me after what happened, after not only me beating him, but me beating him in the way I did, yeah. that just showed you how much of a a pure mixed martial art, mixed martial artist. He is. He just wants to get better. He reached out to me. That's pretty much what he said. He's like, "We already fought. There's no animosity. You're a really good grappler. I'm a pretty good striker. You can help me with the wrestling. I can help you with the the striking." And ever since day one, no animosity. I mean, we've had some hard rounds, but that's good. I think that's what mm-hmm. that's what's really been helping me grow as a striker. I have to go in there. He. It's scary. Like it's almost like going into a. a like every time we spar, I kind of get the the butterflies. Even though I've already beat him, cause I know how how good he is. I yeah. know how uh, the dangers he presents. So going with him every day, that's it's only been good. Yeah, no, I can understand that. So with the the Stipe situation at the minute, um, as I said earlier, you've been very vocal about it. Um, do you do you believe that there is a medical issue there, or do you think that there's a no? No. Because the reason I don't believe there's a medical issue, because after, immediately after the Tyson Fury Deontay Wilder fight, he puts out a tweet, "I love to dance with you." So if you can't see how you're already plotting and planning on fighting another guy who's probably got better hands than you, like I don't see how you can. Like, he's not injured. He's just. No. I know what he's doing. He's doing exactly what DC did to him. He's he's making him wait. DC made him wait, and he felt disrespected. I understand that. I I get why he's doing it. It just sucks that it, it affects me. Yeah, of course. They have That's, their own yeah. beef. I'm just an innocent casualty of their beef. Yeah, I can I can understand that, especially because now it's it's taken up nearly the better part of what a year and a half, or it'll yeah. be two years by the time they yeah. fight. It's a long time to keep the division on ice. Yeah. So. <clears throat> yeah, I mean it, it is. It's an odd, an odd spot as well. And what one thing that I wanted to ask you about, Curtis, um, before we we have a few, uh, we're going to do quick fire questions with you and then let you bounce. But one thing I really wanted to talk to you about before that was um, Mel and I both took amateur MMA for all novice uh, MMA fights because we felt that doing this podcast, we didn't want to be those guys that had zero to offer. You know, it's not in any way relatable to what that. you do, but you I know. She wanted to get in there. I appreciate that. Yeah, we wanted to know what it was like. We've both had two. Um, and I think from my side, that'll be it. I think Mel's keen to do another yeah. one. But um, one, of, one of the things that I found uh, very difficult was the mental side of things. And yeah. we were talking earlier on. And one question I have for you is your second fight with Francis Ngannou. What was it like before the fight? mentally because obviously when you first fought you were both pretty fresh to the UFC there wasn't a lot of tape you know uh, but by the time that you'd fought him the second time that was some highlight reel that Nganu was was putting together was your mentality before the fight any different to any other fight did you feel it any differently than any other fight well yeah there's always going to have a little extra emotion because he's beat well now 
when we fight again, it's going to be even more emotional. But I feel confident. Like, the the improvements I've made in my striking, like the, the better I get, the better I get at my own striking, the better I am at picking up what other guys have, like, yeah. issues. Like, he doesn't move his feet well at all. He punches with his arms. He doesn't, he doesn't drop his hips into a lot of his punches. He's just that strong, and he can get away with that. Yeah. Like, but those are... Those are mistakes, and I'm going to capitalize on those mistakes. He doesn't go backwards very well. He doesn't. There's a lot of things he doesn't do well, and I just I feel confident I can uh, capitalize on. Those. Well, we've just we've spoke we've both spoken about this as well. Um, I think you're you're 29. Am I right? Yeah. yeah. You have age on your side compared to the majority of the of the rest of the heavyweight division. Um, and superior wrestling to but, anyone but in the thing, division. And I think people sort of forget because you're sort of in a funny position that. You're a prospect still because of your age, yeah. but you're a veteran at the same time who's fought yeah. a bunch of veterans. So, um, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, but like you're saying, it's it's it'll, you know, you're nearly, I don't know, five years away from your 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 prime at heavyweight. So, I mean, these <laughs> these guys, and if you're already ranked third in the world, you're you're right up there. I mean, it's an impressive I, resume I, you're building. That's another thing. I'm I'm not in a rush. I, they they want to dick around with the belt and waste waste their time that's okay i'm gonna be here like i yeah. i got seven eight nine more years i'm gonna be here so yeah. eventually the belt's gonna be mine and i'm gonna hang on to it for as long as i can i'm gonna make my name i gotta wait for these old guys to retire <laughs> yeah well, just before we, we bounce on, we're just going to do some quick-fire questions with you so that it's not the same boring interview that you always have to do. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure you're sick of talking to the media, um, but we really appreciate you taking the time, bud. Um, so, Street Fighter, Tekken, or Mortal Kombat? Mortal Kombat. Yeah, good call. Van Damme or Schwarzenegger? Oh. Better actor or just better, like... Ooh, looks you're, you've just smoked, you've just smoked a big blunt and you want to sit down and watch a film. Which oh, one are you gonna Which one are you gonna tune into? Uh, Conan the Barbarian. Nice. Oh, yes, classic. Pineapple on pizza? Absolutely yes or absolutely no? That's blasphemy. I'm from Chicago. My man. My man. That. Nah, I'm I'm all for it. I'm no, all right. Hell no, Mel. <laughs> I might get um, you put in purgatory. I don't know. <laughs> At this one, we sort of we might have covered this earlier on, and um, I, I think it's a fight that you you've sort of intonated that you want back. But is your tu- is your toughest opponent in Ghana, or is there somebody else that you faced on the way up that you feel was tougher in a different way? Uh, no, he's he's been the hardest one. I mean, that first one, my debut, that was that's the most I've ever been hit in a fight. Like no one else has ever been able to hit me. Like that, I never had any injuries. Any, I'm always the one doing the hitting and doing the wrestling and doing just the offense in general. So he's he's the most aggressive because a lot of other guys are scared. They go backwards. I give him props. He he believes in his right hand and he he's gonna walk you down with it. Yeah. Um. If if you could have any superpower, what superpower would you pick? Invisibility. Yeah, excellent. It's just sneaking around, smoking weed. Yeah. <laughs> um, in five years, Curtis Blades will be the champion. Hopefully, still we'll, we'll see. Because that's one thing I think about at the next wave of heavyweights. Where are they? Where are they going to come from? Where are they going to be good at? Are they going to be wrestlers? Are they going to be jujitsu players? Mm. So 
it all depends on like this next wave. What's what's their base? I got the other wrestlers like. I like that. I haven't had a chance to go against another wrestler. Just one as good as me. I suppose you're you're such a high caliber of wrestling that, you know, it's such a unique. It's almost a. a a freak combination to have your your physicality and athleticism and size combined with your your wrestling background it's it's and uh, i can't think of anyone else in the heavyweight division certainly in the last period of time um, and even at that even the older guys like you know mark coleman and, and guys like that dan severn you know that that's a different kind of wrestling to to yeah. what you bring to the table you know um if you can have any fight with fighter it could be currently on the roster or retired any dream fight who who would you pick Prime Velasquez. Oh, nice. yeah, that'd be a nice. great fight. Well, he's a guy that perhaps could give yeah. you some wrestling. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a good one. Yeah. Do, do you think that uh, we've seen the last of Velasquez? I hope so. As, as one thing about MMA I've ever liked is that we don't know how to let our um, legends, our heroes, just let them die. Let them yeah. go away. We keep bringing them back if we want more, but we don't understand. MMA fans in general don't understand like youth matters you can't be old yeah. as fuck going against someone 15 years there's only a few andersons there's only a few mark hunts like being yeah. old is not an advantage it's a disadvantage yeah. at a certain point like at a certain point i would be at a disadvantage like when i'm 36 and i'm going to get some some 29 year old he's going to have the youth advantage and that's yeah. going to make it harder for me well, we really appreciate you taking the time to, yep. to uh, talk with us today, bud. Um, means a lot. Uh, um, we'll obviously we'll drop the podcast tonight, and uh, we'll tag you and, and do all those good things. But we really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for joining us on the Super Ad MMA Show, and uh, good luck for Volkov. We'll be watching. Thank you. I appreciate you guys. So to wrap up the rest of the show, we're just going to go on to talk about uh, this week's card, which is a UFC Fight Night One Seventy, uh, which is happening on the fifteenth of March. Uh, actually, no, it's not it's the fourteenth, isn't it? It's the fifteenth because it's midnight. Anyway, regardless, a mm. um, lot of good fights happening. Um, we're not going to talk about every single fight. Um, Rani Yaha's back, which is going to be fun against Enrique Barzola, which is a uh, that's a good fight, a fun fight. Uh, Shoeface was cancelled, sadly. Um, it'd been good to see him back in action again. Um, but anyway, the main card is obviously where all the action going to be at. Is so Formiga on the? Prelims. He is for me. He's fighting Brandon Moreno. That is a good fight. It's a great fight. Um, yeah. I, you'd have to favor for me, though. Oh yeah, substantially. <laughs> mm, I know Brandon Moreno's. Tough yeah, he's old, good. Tough old cookie. He is tough old cookie indeed. So main card: Francisco Trinaldo and John McDessey uh, opening the main card. What are your thoughts on Trinaldo that fight? decision all over it? <laughs> Usually when he's involved. <laughs> I really like him. He's I think he's super underrated. Trinaldo. Yeah. Um he's just a bit of a steamroller of a man. McDessey he's sort of I mean it's not a good run, isn't he? Yeah, I mean he's 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 beaten Pinedo, uh, Ross Pearson, which doesn't really count, and Abel Trujillo. Some of those were a while ago though. Well, I mean there's so many won he's in fought the last like, yes, year is yeah. is Jesus Pinedo. I just think Trinaldo in Brazil is is a tough a tough outing for anybody. Essentially, at that weight division, can do it all. Yeah, absolutely. super well rounded. Guy looks like he's one hundred and fifty years old. 
Do Mac Darcy? No, Trinaldo. Trinaldo, yeah, yeah. What age even is he? He's four, Must well, he's be forty-one. 40. Yeah. That's. I mean, I I would slightly favour uh, Trinaldo in this fight. To be fair, his last outing was obviously against uh, Bobby Green. Uh, I'm pretty heavy on him. Man. I think this is. I think the odds are far too close for this. I think Trinaldo will dominate. Hopefully so. Um, be nice to see him get uh, a crack at a higher ranked opponent. I think. Well, the problem is also that he's forty one or forty two or whatever he is, yeah, and that true. like he's dangerous and can beat young up and comers. Very true. Um, next on the card is the fabulous Johnny Walker, who finished his camp at TriStar fighting Nikita Krylov. Um, so two questions: one, what do you think TriStar will have added to Walker in this outing? And two, who have you got? I don't. It's hard to say. Like. I don't know if it'll add anything. Obviously, training with Zahabi will add something. However, what Zahabi brings, I feel nearly like diminishes what makes Walker fun and great and unpredictable. True. Um, I still have Walker by some mad first round knockout. Yep. But I don't know. Imagine he just came out and was just like. Just wrestle fucked him for three rounds. <laughs> yeah, completely changed. It was no fun. Didn't dance. Just came out to like, I don't know, something boring and white Depeche mood. Yeah, I, just, <laughs> just, I, I can't think. I can't think that's going to happen. No, um, neither can I. Johnny Walker is just super interesting. Oh, he's a madman. Uh, we are hopefully going to have him on. We have been talking to him, so hopefully we can get that arranged after the fight. Um, yeah. Well, Krylov is not to be sniffed at. I mean, he just went the distance with was it Teixeira, and then before that, Ovin Simpru. Um, sorry, that was my phone going. Uh, so, um, you know, it, it's, he's a tough cookie. He's, he's fought a murderer's row. Teixeira, Ovin Simpru, Jan Blachowicz, you know, Fabio Montano, which granted was outside the, yeah. uh, the UFC. But, you know, Krylov could easily, easily I just think it's, find I th- a path to victory in this true but I just think it's the explosiveness and the difference in athleticism like Johnny Walker's just a different cat true true that um, Hanado Moicano and uh, Damir Hadzovic this is an absolute banger of a fight it is Moicano's debut at 55 it's a tough fighting against an unranked guy where is Hadzovic ranked he is... I don't think he is ranked at the minute. He's 46 worldwide, so no, not at the moment. Um, but, you know, he's just tough as nails. Tough as nails. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with Moicano. Um, I think, hopefully, we see a, a, an improved Hanato Moicano without the weight cut. Um, i trying to think how he gets it done. I don't want to say everything's a decision, but Hadzovic is... Tough as old boots. Yeah. Um, I think I favour Moicano in this. So I could very easily see an upset. I'd like, how good is he, Moicano? Very. Yeah, but when he's faced elite guys, he's. Mm, Aldo. Yeah, Aldo battered him. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Korean zombie. D- top of the division. You know, he beat Calvin Calvin Guitar. That's that's very and the Ortega true. fight. He was winning until he wasn't. You know, yeah, you know what? You're right. That is very true. So yeah, hopefully, well, he could be even better at 55. He could be. How, like, it's this. You know, Hadswitch is big, strong boy. I'm gonna go Moicano to stick on the outside and win a decision. Just kickbox him up a good bit. Okay, yeah, I think. But Moicano. you could you could see a world where Hadswitch gets him against the cage and roughs him up. 
Name me the fight that's happened in the UFC that has had the highest level Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu ever. My good sir, it'll probably be this one. Correct. Damian Maia versus Gilbert Burns. Um, two. Which pretty much guarantees that... Kickboxing match. Yeah, <laughs> K1 rules. I think Gilbert Burns has a tremendous advantage in the feet. Yeah, so do I. Massive advantage. He's a and, tank as well. And that's what you're going to say. And physicality in age alone. Yeah. I am going to pick I'm picking Gilbert Burn. Burns by knockout. knockout. Yeah. Well, people favour in Maya. But Maya's that guy who... like you just don't know. Well, no, it's like... You, he should have dropped off a while ago, but he just keeps... It's his style. He keeps running, but yeah. His it, style's not based on being explosive. No, but I mean, this is the first time where you're like... he. It's hard to say who's purely better at jiu-jitsu. Probably Maya, but it's he's also been in MMA so long that pure grappling has evolved since. But he is pretty much the best BJJ for MMA, or yeah. has had for a good while. Yeah. But like... The difference in quality of jiu-jitsu between these two cancels each other out in MMA. They're not far away. I would give Maya a slight edge. Oh yeah, but like the slightest. Yeah, it's not. It's not massive. I would be shocked if Maya tapped him. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. I don't think either of them are getting tapped in this. The problem Maya's always had is that, especially with like very physically strong or explosive guys, it's getting them to the ground. Now, I know he does really well getting you against the cage and dragging you down. But I, Gilbert Burns, man. Ooh. He's looked great recently as well. Is he, he training with Henry Hooft? Yeah. Like, the striking's really come on, and he has that pop. Plus, Damien Maia, another man in his, what, early 40s? Yeah, 41, I think. I wish 42. He had, 42. I wish he had retired after Askren. That was a nice one to go out on. Go. Show he's the king of grappling and yeah he's like I'm the gnarliest old man grappler yeah but yeah I'm with you I think this I'm, I think early as well I think like the first round Burns catches him with something big and puts him away it could be um, the main event which is a great fight is Kevin Lee and Charles Oliveira at lightweight so first of all Charles Oliveira at some stage probably should go back down to featherweight I mean, he's been winning, so there's no yeah, there's, requirement. Yeah, there's no pressing issue. It's not. Yeah, it's not like getting beaten. But it's a big step up for uh, for Oliveira. You know, I mean, his recent, you know, Jared Gordon and Nick Lentz. You know, David it's because Tamer, of how easily he's handled those guys, though. Yeah, but 100%. I think I think Kevin Lee's battering him. I don't think so. I know you're not a Kevin Lee. It's not that I'm fan, not. I, but I don't think that he is. I think he's a top ten light lightweight, but I don't think that he is the second coming of you know Habib, who and many people favoured him to beat Habib at, at one oh, point. Oh yeah, at, at one I point. I just don't think he's there, and and I, I don't think, think he's I don't think he's there yet. But, but I, I also th- think his performance against Gregor Gillespie, whilst it was a beautiful combination and a beautiful finish, that's Gregor Gillespie, who's not exactly known as a you know a particularly high level striker. Striking is, no, no, is perfectly all. serviceable. And I just, I need to see him do that against someone. Even if he did that against Oliveira, I would put an argument forward that does mm. that still tell you any more than you already knew? He needs to be doing that to someone, you know, comfortably inside the top five. You know, Well, this is Oliveira's big chance at lightweight. Yeah. Um, well, let's put him in the mix. Oh, 100%. I just think 
I think the physicality difference, like Kevin Lee's going to rough him up. I think he beats him on the feet. Oliver's very good on the feet, but I just think... His Muay Thai is pretty slick. Yeah, I just think Lee has enough, and he can, you know... It's sort of like what I was saying with Maya. Oliver doesn't have the threat of the takedown. He ends up there a lot of the time, but he very rarely, like, consciously makes a decision to, right, I'm putting you on the ground. And, you know, you add in the huge difference in wrestling ability between mm-hmm. these two. And Lee's no slouch on the ground either. Um, it'd be interesting to see if he chooses to take it there with Oliver's, you know, submission threat. I think he will try and avoid it at all costs. He is, I mean, we have seen Lee, you know... Tapped a couple get, of times. Yeah, tapped twice, you know. Once against Frenoff RDA, who's already fucking A, but yeah. against Tony Ferguson as well, which was from a position of dominance. I think, and I was talking to our friend Zach about this on Saturday, people who beat Kevin Lee beat him with unrelenting pressure. RDA just overtook him. Tony just overtook him. And in both those cases, I would argue that it looked like Kevin Lee quit. He looked for a way out and give them submissions to to an extent, especially against Tony. Oh yeah, the Tony one was bad. I he d- also had staff during yeah, that yeah, yeah, too, true. so you have to factor that yeah, in. Yeah. And I'm not his fan, but... No. I don't think Oliveira can bring that pressure. No, probably not. So I think Kevin Lee will will overwhelm him. That's fair. I'm, yeah. try- I can- I'm trying to think of how it ends. I think Oliveira taps him. Hmm. I think the only way he's getting it to the ground is if he drops him, and I don't see Oliveira dropping Lee. Now, he very well oh, could. I think he could. I just don't think that Kevin Lee is this great striker just off the back of the Gregor Gillespie fight. You know, he wasn't doing particularly well. I think of someone else that he's done particularly well on the feet against. He's looked fluid against most. I think he hangs in. I think he does more than hang in. I'm not saying he's he's a great striker by any means, but I think he's competent enough and I think he's pretty well rounded the Barbosa one was the one that would give you hope that he can hang on the feet oh like absolutely I wouldn't even like I honestly wouldn't be that shocked if we see Lee take him down I would purely I think Lee could take him down and rough him up on the ground and I think he gets swept I don't know man like I think he gets. I think that. I think that's a bad game plan for him, given that I think he is. Whilst he is good on the ground, I think that people who are better than him on the ground have tapped him, and I think that Charles Olivier is better than him on the ground. I think, but like I said, I think the only people who have, have tapped him, it nearly hasn't been due to like superior ability. It's being able to make him want out of there with pressure with wearing him down I just, I just don't think Oliveira has has that I, you know I, yeah. I could be very very wrong but I just I think Lee wins I'm just having a hard time putting my finger on a high yeah fair enough well I think that about wraps us up for this week. Um, obviously, if you have anything that you would like to ask us, please feel free to get in touch. You can email us, uh, which is the, our new email address, superadmma at gmail.com. Uh, you can tweet at us at superadmma show. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash superadmma. Uh, we are 
trucking along on Twitter. We spend most of our time on Twitter, so yeah, make if you're sure going to get us there, if you're get us on Twitter, if you're on the Twitters, um, again, thank you very much for supporting the show. If you're interested in supporting the show, the best thing you can do, uh, which is free, is to uh, tag a friend or send it to a friend or put a post on Facebook with a link to the podcast because that really helps us get the show out there. You can leave a review on iTunes or whatever format you listen to. And if you're interested in financially supporting the show, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash superadmma. So have you anything else to add there, Big Brother Mel? Live long and prosper. Live long and prosper. Peace and love. Bye.